Okay, okay. Today is the 6th of August, 2022. And we practice Dhamma together in this retreat group. We've gathered together from many different countries, whether in person or online. This is the eighth day of our retreat. Tonight is the eighth night. And tomorrow is the ninth day of this nine-day retreat. And so this is seeking out an opportunity in which to train our minds and hearts to have more mindfulness, to have more firmly established mindfulness with our sila, our virtue as a foundation, and with our practice of dana, our generosity, supporting our minds according to our strength and energy. And when we have this quality of virtue, it gives more energy and strength to our minds. And the mind that has energy and strength from sila is important. Whether we are undertaking the five or the eight precepts, this brings peace to our body and to our minds. We have love and kindness all the time. We don't delight in hurting or harming others, but when and if we see people being harmed, we have upeka, equanimity with that. And then when we have the chance, we do goodness, we do merit, practicing, following in the footsteps of the Buddha. And we see that the Buddha had loving kindness for Rahula, his son, before he went to ordain, before he was the Buddha, when he was uh, Prince Siddhartha. He had loving-kindness for Rahula, his son, and for his cousin Devadatta all the time, had this loving-kindness all the time for them. And if we look more deeply at the Dhamma in this situation, we can see, in truth, did Devadatta truly exist? Was he really there? We can say he had a body there, he had feeling, perceptions, mental formations, and consciousness, these nama khandas. But whatever unwholesome thoughts Devadatta might have had, these were merely the proliferations of ignorance in his mind, the conditioned formations of ignorance arising, whether it was anger or ill will, wishing to hurt or harm. These are all proliferations on the side of demerit. So we can say that the ignorance was in control of his mind. But that ignorance in the mind of Devadatta arised and ceased, arise and ceased. There's no self in truth. There's no self to be found there. So we see that really that Devadatta is not to be found. He wasn't there. And in terms of Rahula, he had wholesome formations of mind, wholesome sankharas, meritorious sankharas, and he used his body to do goodness, to do that which is useful and beneficial, all the way up to he realized arahantship. But in truth, Venerable Rahula is not to be found either. It's just empty. We see that the Lord Buddha, fully self-awakened, was able to awaken his own mind, and then open the door to awakening, to emptiness for all of us, and taught the path to that awakening. 
We see that the Buddha is the one who is awake, the joyful one, the one who knows. And the loving kindness of the Buddha had no limit, is incredibly vast. And the qualities of the Buddha are also limitless. The qualities of the Dhamma are limitless. The qualities of the Sangha are limitless. So we practice and train our hearts with loving kindness as a foundation. Have the Brahma Vihara of loving kindness take care of our minds. And we practice virtue to care for our minds as well. To bring our collectedness, our samadhi, to be firmly established with sila as a foundation. We practice to have right samadhi, right concentration, samadhi that doesn't harm oneself or others. Because sometimes it's possible that people develop wrong samadhi, and they use that samadhi to do bad things, to go down the wrong path. One with samadhi can also care for illness and cure illness and do various other things. And they can also go and do wrong things, things that go against virtue. So sama samadhi or right samadhi, it's samadhi that brings the mind to wisdom to understand the teachings of the Buddha. So this is an important point. We need to have samadhi, this peace and collectedness of mind. And we can use that samadhi to help others as well. So therefore training in samadhi is important. We train our mind in samadhi through various meditation objects, such as mindfulness of death, marana nusati, bringing the mind to peace through recollecting death, recollecting that life is uncertain, death is certain. We don't know when we'll die or where we'll die or how we'll die, whether we'll die in the air, in the water, on the earth, or what location we'll die in a house, in our home, or another place. We just don't know. So therefore we must be heedful. And this recollection of death is a way to bring our minds to peace and collectedness. And some practitioners, it's suitable for them to practice the recollection of the Buddha, Buddha Nusati. Some individuals may hear chanting in their mind, like the chanting is echoing throughout their nervous system, throughout their, their brain. And firstly, we hear sound with our ears and we listen to that. Sometimes we have the sound, that chanting in the mind, and it's not bothersome or annoying, but it brings the mind to peace and collectedness. So this practice of buddhanusati is important, can bring the mind to samadhi easily. And for one who practices generosity and feels a lot of fullness of heart with that, they can recollect that generosity all the time. This is chaganusati, recollecting our sacrifices and giving that we've done, recollecting the merit that we've done. And this can bring our mind to samadhi as well, which is important. And so we recollect in these ways, or one can have mindfulness with the breath as well, with bhutto, with the breath. And when one practices like this, it's important that one shouldn't control the breath. If one controls the breath too much, one can become tense and stressed in one's body. So don't do that. 
So all these different practices are ways to bring the mind to peace and samadhi. We can also use our thinking and contemplating to see the body as composed of the four elements of earth, air, fire, and water, or the body as something not beautiful, as asubha, to see the body as a heap of impermanence, a heap of suffering, a heap of not-self. In whatever way we contemplate, we use that way to gather the mind and bring it into samadhi. We can also practice walking meditation and use wisdom. And so this is walking the path of wisdom. It's similar to the recollection of death, which is a meditation object that's close to wisdom. Contemplating that life is uncertain, death is certain. This is a shamatha, a tranquility object, but it's close to wisdom. There's this sanya, this perception of recollecting the body is impermanent, stressful and not self. This is the anicca sanya, the perception of impermanence or the perception of dukkha, suffering, the perception of anatta, not self. In the beginning, these are just thoughts, and we think that it's wisdom, but in truth, it's just a tranquility object. But this shamatha, this tranquility object, we need it for wisdom. If we don't have shamatha, then we don't have wisdom. So we need shamatha, we need the samadhi. <coughs> So may you have perseverance and effort in the cultivation of samadhi. Practice it a lot, do it a lot, uh, speak little. And after you return home from this retreat, how should you practice? Have a lot of mindfulness in the present moment. Have mindfulness continuously, have effort continuously and evenly. And one who trains this way, trains in samadhi, has had some experience with samadhi, that can have sati, mindfulness in samadhi, arise sometimes. And then when they have this experience, then they're able to have a comparison, have a point of comparison. They can see that the mind that's chaotic, what is that like? And know what that's like. And the mind that's peaceful, what is that like? Know what that's like. So one's able to compare the two like this. And this gives rise to even more firm faith because we've seen the fruits of mindfulness and samadhi practice for ourselves. Or in our meditation practice, we might have a lot of agitation and chaos in the mind. The mind's not peaceful. We feel weary and tired of this. However, we should contemplate that this weariness is uncertain. Happiness and joy are uncertain. The peaceful mind or the chaotic mind, they're both impermanent and uncertain. When the mind is in samadhi, we feel that we're in heaven. When the mind is busy and has kilesa afflicting it, we feel that we're in hell. So we see that heaven and hell, they're right here in our own minds. So one may ask, well, where is Nibbana then? We see that the Brahma realms are also in the heart, in the mind. We bring the mind to Samadhi. This is the mind in a Brahma realm. So where is Nibbana then? 
what's right here in our own hearts as well. So we have to train a lot, practice a lot. We have faith in the Buddha, Dhamma Sangha already. We've been born in, in time to still receive the teachings of the Buddha. Even though the Buddha attained Parinibbana 2,565 years ago, we may feel that we're far from the Buddha. We may be from different countries all around the world. But don't forget that the Dhamma is all around you all the time. Even this very bodies, these very bodies of ours are the Dhamma as well. So in the beginning we may feel that we're far from the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. But then we practice and give rise to Samadhi. Then we feel that Sati and Samadhi have arisen. And we have a lot of mindfulness. We feel that we're close to the Buddha. We're close to awakening. We may have felt far on the outer level, but when mindfulness and wisdom arise, then we feel close to the Buddha. The important point here is that we need to cultivate mindfulness, listen to the teachings of the Buddha, and have confidence in the practice of the Dhamma, in the Korawat, the principles and precepts of Dhamma practice. So don't go slowly, hurry up and practice. Why is that? Because these conditioned formations, these bodies and minds of ours are constantly degrading, constantly passing away, and they pass away very quickly. We see that this nine-day retreat that we prepared for had to prepare in many different ways for it. One day goes by very quickly. Tomorrow is the ninth day already. So it goes by like this. The days and nights are relentlessly passing us by. What are we doing with our time? The Buddha taught to recollect like this, to remember this. So in a given day, may you cultivate a lot of merit and goodness, cultivate a lot of mindfulness, and we seek out wealth during the day, seek out various types of wealth. And may you do that in a way that doesn't harm oneself or others. But then we practice generosity, and this is a noble wealth arising in the heart. Mindfulness is a noble wealth. Samadhi is a noble wealth. Wisdom is a noble wealth. Virtue is a noble wealth. So this sila samadhi panya virtue, collectedness, and wisdom, it's a tool to bring our minds to awaken to Buddha. So we see that therefore the Buddha is born right here in our own hearts. And this is something that all of us, all people are capable of if we practice the path of virtue, collectedness, and wisdom. So we practice having virtue, having firmly established mindfulness, contemplate the body, all materiality and mentality as impermanent, suffering and not self. And then when our spiritual virtues are ready, we can see and know the Dhamma. The thing that's difficult in our practice of meditation is this liking, desire and wanting, or disliking, not wanting. These are obstacles that which impede or obstruct our practice. Or we may also have a lot of doubts, constantly doubting, feel annoyed or agitated, uh, 
have a very busy or distracted mind, or when we sit meditation we may feel very sleepy. These are all hindrances, that which cover over and obstruct the mind. Or there may be the hindrance of the sankharas themselves, which is to say illness and sickness in the body. We can also call it a, the khandas as an obstacle, these uh, mind and body as an obstacle. Also the thought that one doesn't want to meditate, that thought is also an obstacle. So we see that for us to reach this point, we've passed through and overcome a lot of obstacles already, all the way up till the present day. So may you have mindfulness to observe your thoughts and observe your feelings, and when thoughts and feelings arise, teach the mind that they're unsure, they're uncertain, they're impermanent. And this, when you see this clearly, the mind can go to emptiness, to go to awakening, to true understanding, to see the Buddha in one's own heart. So one goes from feeling that one is far from the Buddha and Dhamma, Sangha, until one feels very close into seeing the Dhamma. One sees that it's one thing, and there's no other path to achieve this. Because the Buddha is in our hearts, so may you have firm intent, may you have effort and perseverance, have mindfulness all the time, firmly established samadhi, and keep one's body and speech under control and care, have love and kindness all the time, and contemplate everything as impermanent suffering and not-self. Even if we don't see this, then we still have effort, we still practice, we still have perseverance. And then when our parami is full, then our mind can see the truth to various levels. So may you all realize and see the Dhamma. <laughs>